Autobots, roll out! You got the touch! You got the power! Welcome back to the Deep Files of Saturday Morning Confidential. Today we're going off-world for a 1980s gym that I am so excited to talk about. I am so excited to have from one of my favorite podcasts, Minds at Yerk, Tim Lowe. Tim, welcome to Saturday Morning Confidential. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I, I just, it's one of those that like... Before, when I was doing my Disney stuff, I let it kind of go and let each of the guests. And so this time, what I'm doing is I'm kind of going, this is what I want to do. And I'm letting the guests find me. And so, because you are on Minds at York with both Alex Lavelle and Meg Griffin, who are both right here at Certain POV, uh, it was very easy to find you. And I'm so excited to have you here. So why don't you tell the audience who you are, what you do, what kind of nerd you are, and what your connection nostalgically is to the Transformers movie. Okay, uh, I am Tim. I'm co-ghost on Minds at Yerk. Uh, I also do some voice actor work a little bit, kind of, kind of, some background stuff that I'm working on. Um, as for Transformers, so I, I went into Minds at Yerk, which is an Animorphs Reread podcast. Had no clue what an Animorph was, but um. Alex, Alex and Megan had told me that this had sort of helped shape their childhood. Mm -hmm. This is my childhood shaper. Perfect. I was six years old when this movie came out, and I remember going to see it in theaters. And it was it was that same, like, oh my god, life has consequences. What is going on in this movie? You know, that yeah, this is absolutely one of my all-time favorites. And I know Megan makes fun of me all the time, because my top three favorite movies is about 50 movies long. <laughs> this I'm, is... I'm that same kind of human, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. One of my all-time favorites will never be dethroned. So I have to ask you, because you were six, you, did you watch the cartoon on TV, yes? And have oh, yeah. toys? Okay, great. Oh, yeah. So this must have been a trip for you as a child fan going oh, yeah. into the film, because this is one of the biggest things, that this was the biggest parental feedback, because a lot of times, even with like 80s and 90s things as we're getting million moms and those kinds of things. The biggest response was that children, parents were upset because children were traumatized because the, while this is tonally a lot like the show, um, mm -hmm. there are some things that happen in this movie yes. that uh, are, are awful for a like young child audience. Like this oh, was yeah. like, I mean, I would argue that this is like when I watched the Power Rangers movie and they killed Zordon and I was like, what? Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, I could say spoilers, but literally this movie's been out for 35 years. So, <laughs> well, 34, it's a year younger than I am, or yeah, yeah. so, um, or two years younger than I am. So uh, I loved the show growing up. I had the toys. Absolutely. I was, I think I was a little more just because I was born 85. I caught the syndication of Gen 1 and then some of the weird Gen 2 things. But I remember there have always been Transformers toys in stores. I do not think there's been a point between the original and now where we have never had Transformers toys and stuff. Yeah. And yeah. now we're getting this amazing thriving of this like war on Cybertron uh, run for Netflix where we're getting really good quality remakes of the original toys that were a little yeah. clunky, if you will. Yeah. Um, so I, I love the show growing up and 
just because I'm this person, RC is my favorite. So I love the movie because this is one of the few times until the seasons after the movie where she actually gets some screen time, um, voiced by the iconic Susan Blue, who is just brilliant um, and is the 80s. Like if there is a female character <laughs> in a show, uh, she was in Gem, Tra um, Transformers, My Little Ponies, G.I. Joe. I mean, Star... Uh, star racers like literally everything uh she's she's been in um but this is i i think i actually saw this movie for the first time when i was like 17 we bought a dvd player for the first time it was like 2002 so still relatively new it had just been released like the year prior on dvd and so we're talking like we went to suncoast and i think i still spent like 35 dollars on this movie but it was uh. the first time i saw this movie and i went the fuck is this this is <laughs> yeah. a lot different um yes. so yeah we could say spoilers but like we're just going to jump in we're going to talk about it yeah so the for me i think something that's really interesting one the poster is iconic there are some very Absolutely. iconic things about this movie um and what's interesting is it actually wasn't poorly received by the critics and then a lot of the same critics, when they reviewed Michael Bay's Transformers in 2007, like waned philosophical about how much they enjoyed the original animated movie <laughs> and disliked Bay's movie, which you never really get. Normally I'd no. say, thank God we have a remake. Um, and I think that was the same opinion of a lot of adult Transformers fans as we were like, the fuck was this? Yeah. What is this? <laughs> I don't need hot Megan Fox. Give me RC. Where is everybody? Right. right. <laughs> where, where, where I, you know, ah, oh, Michael Bay. We, I, I think we're yeah. going to end up, I'm, I want to, we are going to have to compare and contrast a little, but I actually also want to talk a little bit at the end of talking Bumblebee versus this movie, because I think okay. Bumblebee is closer to this in a lot of the ways that we got that war on Cybertron at the beginning. And it was That's like a love letter to this movie. That's what everybody has said. Everybody has said, go watch Bumblebee. I haven't yet because I'm so turned off by the Michael Bay movies mm -hmm. that I haven't seen it. But a lot of people have said that. They're like, no, no, no. Give this one a shot. Give this one a shot. So it's well, I also sell it as it's a it's a uh, it's a horse girl movie with an alien car. <laughs> it's really what it is. But like Haley Stanfeld is she's a great actress. The fact that we only have like five Transformers in the movie really let them limit and focus the story but the whole opening of the movie not to spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen bumblebee it's on all streaming platforms at this point the beginning opens with the war on cybertron the opening scene of the original series but like ironhide is there jazz is there rc is there bumblebee's there cliff jumpers there optimus ultra magnus is there and like but you also see original Soundwave, original shockwave mm -hmm. starscream uh so it's one of those things that like it's they're computer generated, but they look like a computer generation of computer generated of the original Cybertronian designs, which I was like, no. <laughs> that was, and I think I watched that probably earlier this week too. Cause I just really like that movie. I'm going to go watch it today. Well, and Angela Bassett's one of the two Decepticons that tracks Bumblebee. And she is a Angela Bassett's just, she can do no wrong. And so yeah. like she says this, like, drippingly evil tone, which is so good. Um, but we're talking about this, but I think it would be good. To, we'll have to compare and contrast a little bit when we get to the end about um, things that I think this still does really well. Um, but I think for me, this, well, one, I think the opening credits are really interesting because uh, there are several iconic things. Like I've said, the soundtrack is amazing. Amazing. incredible like it's peak it is peak 80s it is absolutely. 80s. absolutely but it also is perfect for this film absolutely you could tell they had gotten 
just from the cast alone. They'd gotten some prestige. They'd gotten some budget. Mm-hmm. Um, and even a lot of the critics said that this is a huge step up animation and storytelling wise from what they do on the TV show. Um, and so like starting off in the beginning, you've, you've got this like foreboding, like Unicron floating through and you, I, I love that in this version of our universe, the, the whole space is just sentient robots. We're, yeah, we're like absolutely. the one planet of little fleshy bag people. Yeah, yeah. Um, everywhere they go. Everywhere they go. And they're all like strange. They all look a little Shakespearean or they look a little, or, you know, <laughs> that we have the whole episode in the show where we get the whole planet of female Autobots. Like when they all kind of look the same, but that's the show. Um, but you know, it's, it's so interesting, but we get Unicron and they set mm-hmm. the tone very early for this giant being. Um, it's very, it's Galactus in many ways yeah. of when Galactus comes into the, in, I almost said MCU, not quite yet, soon, yeah. soon. Um, but like when we get Galactus and Marvel and those kinds of things, they're setting a tone and it is very War of the Worlds, which is interesting that Orson Welles is the literal voice of Unicron. <laughs> but like Eric Idle having the first billing, the billing in this is really funky because I was like, where's Peter Cullen's name? And I was like, nobody gives a shit about Peter Cullen except me no. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the fans. But it's so interesting. Like Eric Idle gets top billing over Nimoy and Wells, which I thought was interesting, but I guess Monty Python was still going in the UK and he was a huge comedy star and like the Star Trek movies were happening, but I guarantee he just had a better agent. But uh, I mean, he also is alphabetically in that same, um, but it is interesting to see who gets billing and then who has to wait till the closing credits for uh their names too but also because we got some voice actors from the show which i thought was great who uh voice you know five or six different autobots or decepticons all right so tim this movie means a ton to you what are some things that you think right off the bat just to the top of your head are super effective in the what they do in this movie uh, the, 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 the plot, the, the, what they do with, uh, Optimus Prime, like there is no way that you, well, okay. That me as a child could not be roped in after the first, you know, 20 minutes or so. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, when I spend the whole rest of the movie saying, oh, well, he's going to come back. He's going to come back. He's going to come. And then mm-hmm. he doesn't, mm-hmm. um, Ultra Magnus taking the, the leadership matrix mm-hmm. and it not working for him, mm-hmm. even though he seems like the obvious choice. Obvious and then choice. My favorite Transformer of all time will be Judd Nelson's Rodimus Prime. Yeah. Like, without question. Yes. Without question. The best. And I love but that yeah. it's Judd Nelson. I love that that was too. weird. Because so that's like right after Breakfast Club. Like, yeah. it's, it's all the, like, literally Breakfast Club. Yep. Transformers, the movie. Uh, yeah. yeah. And so that is Bender from breakfast club is the voice of hot rod slash rodimus prime and it literally i'm mad that i was yesterday years old re-watching this when i went <laughs> i didn't ever understand why he's rodimus prime and then i was like you piece of shit <laughs> his name is hot rod rodimus prime yep. i was like yep it was my I, favorite yeah. thing ever and now what tim is alluding to for anyone that has not watched this is they kill optimus prime in the first 20 minutes of this movie like <laughs> It's 35 act- years later, I still can't believe it. I, I know, still can't and that he it. stays dead the whole movie. Yeah. We can discuss the weird Shakespearean Optimus Prime ghost that is evil that comes in in the series <laughs> or is controlled by Starscream. It's very strange. The series 
derails the story a lot when they I, I could it, not but... tell you because the series was so episodic and mm-hmm. like there was no sort of order to me watching it no i couldn't give you one moment of story from that tv show and that's how all the tv shows when we were kids that's why oh, this yeah. was so epic well the you ones know? that i remember are like uh wave i think his name was wave crasher or seafoam or something but he was like the not like he was like the uh, the big fan boat from like the Everglades oh, yeah. was his. Yeah. And there's an episode where he goes through a portal and he's in medieval England <laughs> and he becomes a man, except his legs are still yeah. Autobot. Like there are some weird episodes. I remember some of the, I, everybody remembers the Dinobot episodes. Everybody remembers oh, yeah. the Devastator episodes. Everybody remembers mm-hmm. when the Insecticons come. But I'm like you, other than that, like a lot of them are on YouTube. I encourage you all to go watch them. They are uncanny valley they are not good but <laughs> god damn it i love them yeah um yeah. uh and so yeah killing optimus and the fact that we start with uh, we get that really dramatic lead-in but then the moment we hit cybertron after and we start with everyone's favorite decepticon laser beak everyone's favorite <laughs> decepticon laser beak um <laughs> That, you know, spying, I'm like, it's, this is still the thought I always have. How did the Autobots get anything done? Because they are always out, they're always outmanaged. They are always outpowered. They don't know anything. Like the Decepticons are always literally like 12 feet ahead of each other. And if it wasn't for Starscream trying to be a prissy bitch about everything, (laughs) they literally could have wiped the Autobots off the face of multiple planets several times. Absolutely. continues into beast wars i will say as well it continues into beast wars it continued into robots in disguise um but yeah like stirring us back into cybertron the only thing we could talk about it later time and relative space here is a question for me how close is cybertron to earth because it takes oh, them yeah. no time to travel between <laughs> the two and you know later on they travel you know they they do like the subspoit the sp- subspace like jump stations where like the Cybertronians have figured out how to like jump through their own wormholes. And so Mm -hmm. they could travel. They use that a lot in beast wars and beast machines. God, I think that was the entire plot of both of those seasons. (laughs) Um, series but yeah so they kill Optimus really early on and not only they also kill Jazz they kill Ironhide and it's not even just a oh it's the like lights flicker sulfur Mm -hmm. comes out of them like Mm -hmm. they are fucking destroyed like, yeah there's a there's a moment when ultra magnus dies before they they rebuild him and he literally blows up yeah like i'm like there's no there's no walking that one off Mm-mm. and it's you know i'm used to watching a tv show where it's sort of like gi joe where we just we shoot guns and it goes sort of nowhere in particular and nobody is ever actually in any danger yeah well and then even the casualty decepticons when starscream's yeah. like sorry bitch <laughs> like, <laughs> like like megatron is fucked um oh god i always forget their names but yeah. like split wing is fucked like they are they're done they're crumpled now the other thing in this and this is the autobot city which becomes metroplex they don't have metroplex yet i don't remember because he's also, we get all sorts of different sized Transformers <laughs> throughout the show. I mean, alone yeah. we have Unicron and then we eventually get, I don't think we ever got Primus in the original series, but Primus is something that they retconned much later in one of the Armada. I think it's Armada where like we get Primus. So all of Cybertron is an actual, Oh yeah, yeah there are no, lots of planets this. that are all yeah. sentient planets. Yes. <laughs> I do Which remember this. Then makes like, how did you create? I don't want nope, nope, that's just creepy. I don't want to think about <laughs> it. Um, 
the 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 battles one in the beginning are so great but also use of music of when you get daniel jumping on his little hoverboard and it's just like peak hair metal with like (laughs) hot rod coming behind him and i was like this is the world i want to live in and cup i don't i don't really stand for the military complex but god bless cup i love grumpy old cup especially when he's paired next to hot rod it could not be any rod and you got blur they're yep. like this team it's not the team that we really ever got in the show no um and also the fact that cup never has a uh, an earth mode he always is that cybertronian little flatbread That's truck true. um yeah. though i was like what are they going to make him an l like el camino or something like, <laughs> but yeah it's um and again these are some voice actors that they brought in for the series i love I love this team because you got RC where she is a little bit of a damsel in distress. She's not particularly strong. She's not particularly a good shot, but you got blur. Who's just fucking everything up, but you also have like preceptor and, um, yeah. Oh God. What's his name? He's the other boom box. He's, uh, I forget his name. Um, I don't remember his name. Uh, I don't either, but there are a couple of the only like really visible ones that we know from the series, but we have ultra Magnus and this kind of earth team. They're like this team B and kind of focusing on them. I really love that. That's how we're starting the story and that spike is off world. But like, I even forgot that bumblebees in like five minutes of this movie, like bumblebees with spike the whole time. Um, and it did make me go, I really wish when we got the Michael Bay that we had just gotten Spike and Daniel Witwicky, like why bother not naming them? Like you use Witwicky. So like, just make them Spike and Daniel, like just make them Spike and Daniel. It was not that long ago that I even put together that that was the same character. Yeah. I I really didn't. I thought that was just something they created because it was, you know, it was pretty different than the, the cartoon version. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. It it, it wasn't that long ago. I think Mm -hmm. I was reading the Wikipedia when I even saw that it was Witwicky and I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. I know that name. Well, it's, I didn't even think about it. I didn't realize that Spike and Daniel's last name was Witwicky until the other day at, um, target. They just re-released a lot of transformers, the movie new toys that look exactly like them, but they're articulated. And there's a little two pack right now. That's a bumblebee. And then spike in his little, in his little mech suit. And yeah. so I bought that and I went, wait, Spike's last name is Witwicky. Why didn't they <laughs> literally just make Sam? Like, I was like, oh, that's so dumb. That, like, yeah. Shia LaBeouf should have been Daniel. His dad should have been Spike. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because uh, that's a useless parent thing. But uh, like, and I also like that focus on Daniel, like, because it's, you know, Hot Rod is the Daniel of the Autobots. He's a little, he's a little beeb. He's a little baby. Mm-hmm. But was it Blaster? I re- was blaster, blaster, the name of yes, it's blaster, it? okay. which makes sense because you blast your boombox. Um, there you go. And he also had the transforming tapes, which yep. were animals, which were cool. He he had his yep. two little robots, but then he also had a rhino and a, and a lion. Uh, I, so they're yeah. Go ahead. Soundwaves' little tapes are my favorite because they were such little jerks. Little like the, the, bitches. Yeah, the, and, yeah. they, <laughs> and they speak like they're from New York as well. They're like, we're gonna fuck you up. And I was like. Listen, I know that man. He lived like in Prospect Park with me. I know that. <laughs> that. Like, and but like, it's still one of those things that the metal in the very beginning, the metal rips away from everything so easily. I was yeah. like, I get that we are superhuman robots, but I was like, those Insecticons just devour everything. <laughs> no, I know that was also the point of them. But like, also what was funny is until we got, now he's in this movie. I forget his name. He's the green guy. He's a little older. Um, but he's the the um, helicopter. We have very few airborne um, 
that's true. Autobots. Most of yeah. them are land, land, and but suddenly the Decepticons were like, "We're gonna all just be jets, and we're gonna <laughs> fuck your shit up." Because that was even something from the beginning. Like in the show, I went, "Why, why don't we have any air, like airborne Autobots for a very long time?" But yet we have like four identical jets that are all just recolors of Starscream with different. <laughs> Um, but I think from the beginning, this movie launches in, it locks you in immediately. Um, you're fixated on the story because really the story doesn't start until Optimus dies and the Decepticons think they have won. Yes. And, and really this movie begins with, in my opinion, begins with Starscream kicking Megatron in the five, uh, yeah. Uh, the four uh, dis- dis- disabled uh, Decepticons out, and they are found by Unicron, and he becomes they become their Silver Surfer, if you will, of Unicron, yep. mm-hmm. and um, which are fucking cool yes. designs. The design, I will say, the designs, and again, this movie was created to sell a whole new fleet of product. Um, you know, we hadn't had a toy of RC. We didn't have a toy of Ultra Magnus. We didn't have a toy of Hot Rod. We didn't have Scourge and Galvatron and all of these others. And so now it was like, and Cup and Wheelie and and Blur. None of these Autobots we didn't have toys of. You know, we had just gotten Astro Train. We had just gotten, because they were getting more advanced with the abilities of what they could do with the toys. We were getting the Six Changer who's like a panther in a jet and a tank and a and a bow and a bow and a bow. Um, and, you know, they had worked the gimmicks of the two changers in. So you've got a Decepticon who is a helicopter and a tank. And, you know, you've got Astrotrain, who's one of my favorites, who is a literal spaceship and a steam <laughs> locomotive. Those two yep. things. Yeah. You see him just train it on down the road me. and then just hop in the air and his wings pop out. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Now there are a couple funny things. Size. It's something they never got right in the original no. show. And in this movie, they continue no. it. That like Astrotrain is the same size as everybody else, but then when he transforms, they all climb he's in a, his butt. He's a TARDIS. And you're just he's like, a TARDIS. Great. And then the, the, he's a TARDIS. The yeah. on the inside, yeah. you're like, man, there is so much room in this thing that's the same size as you on the outside. Yep. yep. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. And then like, but then like the fact that like the arc what we would call the arc now i call it the arc because of beast wars so most of mine like i love transformers early on but being a teenager when beast wars hit and i was like this is my shit it's animals and transformers it was after animorphs and so it was like animals and transformers and yeah everything and in that you know we we find out that beast wars somehow takes place before the original like before the original Transformers series, but also after the original Transformers, it's weird. It's like before the Autobots wake up in 2005, 2004. Also, the fact that this movie's supposed to be 2005, oh, yeah. I thought it, I thought it was such a misstep that they didn't release the Bay Transformers in 2005. Oh, I, didn't even think about that. I thought I was like that would have been the best <laughs> tie-in for them, and they just didn't. Um, yeah, I love it when but, when when things start like that, like in the year 2005. And I remember that mm-hmm. was mind blowing when I was a kid, and I was like man i'm old that was like yeah but it's also like the same thing i was like why did everybody think we're gonna have hoverboards (laughs) like i get skateboard skateboarding was huge in the 80s and so like all i could think of was like daniel is marty mcfly like really and i know that's what daniel is supposed to be um but i was like i don't know that i'd want a hoverboard i feel like we would just break all of our necks with a hoverboard um but yeah i think the i agree with you the plot of this movie 
is actually really solid. There are a couple missteps along the way because you could tell they weren't really sure whether this was going to be four episodes of a TV mm -hmm. show, whether, I mean, they knew it was getting a, a feature release, but you know, most of the Transformer stories were told in four yeah. parts. This is something very common. My Little Pony did this as well. Thundercats did this, Voltron did it. A lot of the stories of this time were done in four episode chunks. So they were really two hour movies. Um, but they really go out. And I think it was important with the plot separating the Autobots, um, creating kind of two, the fucking death of Starscream. Oh. One, I can't imagine anyone that was like, I miss that little bitch. <laughs> yeah. I was like, good, get fucked. Get fucked, you piece of Dude, shit. And Galvatron was on <laughs> like, just such another level of Megatron. Like, for him to just go yeah. in and just disintegrate Starscream like that and then step on the crown, and you're like, oh, oh this is so great. I, he's like, I don't... Well, also, because the crown is built into him now. Like, the shape yeah, is still right, there right. in the Galvatron yep. spikes. Um, and there is, you could tell the personality still there. And I think it was a ballsy step to have now, again, it was for the movie. And I believe for the series that the original voice actor Megatron went back to being Galvatron, but to have yeah. Nimoy step in as the yeah. voice of Galvatron yeah. too. I was just like, Oh, yeah. baby, this is the best. And it, it's sort of like when we talk about the stakes of this story versus the other things, like these changes into these, like just larger than life mm -hmm. creations. We, we talked about Orson mm -hmm. Welles being Unicron and then Nimoy being Galvatron. And I'm like, no, that that was Megatron like two minutes ago. And now he's Nimoy's yeah. Galvatron. This is so great. Mm -hmm. Well, and when Unicron finally transforms because Galvatron thinks that he's like got some one up because he's got the matrix yeah. of leadership. And it's like, and it's like, yeah. oh, but I also love that he's got like the shitty yeah. little, like, little, like, like, like Unicron somehow. Well, and the Junkers are the yeah. same way that Eric yeah. Idle voice Junkers. They're the same way. They have fucking like Knights who say me fucking <laughs> facial hair, which I actually think is yeah. genius. I think the designs of this movie for me going along with the plot, the designs of these other non Autobots, non Decepticons that we're getting um, like the fact that we meet Wheelie. He's super cute though. He talks in rhyme, which is a little <laughs> annoying. Um, but there's a new Grimlock toy that comes with wheelie that just oh, came really? out and it's, yeah, it's, I think it's, it's, and it's not bad. It's $40, but we're talking, it's like a two foot tall oh, foot and a half no. tall Grimlock. Like it's huge. And wheelie sits on oh, his that's head. Awesome. That's so good. It's so good. Like I almost bought it. It was at Walmart the other day and I went, I don't have a Transformers collection, but I'm about <laughs> to. I say that, but I've literally bought like five RC figures in the last six months because of all the new war on Cybertron and the the Beast. We've been getting the Beast Wars remakes, so I got like Black Arachne and Silverhawk. Because for most, uh, Tim, you don't know this about me, but most of our listeners know if there's a series, I'm typically going to collect like the female characters. Like my Power Rangers collection is just Rita Repulsa and Pink Ranger stuff. So like. It's good because there's not that many female Transformers, yeah. but like in the same week, I saw the War on Cybertron <laughs> RC, the Black Widow, and Silverhawk, and I went, "That's sixty-five dollars for three figures." Oh, to to quote the the Joe Exotic uh, TikTok, I I don't know how I'm financially going to recover <laughs> from this, but here we are. Um, but yeah, I think the designs were so next yeah. level. Um, that actually gave the toy company a lot further to go and it gave them 
an ability to step up to. And now because of the blockiness of the Takara toys and, and I believe, is that Hasbro? Yeah. yeah, it's Hasbro as Transformers. The Hasbro toys of the time, they never really get beyond that blockiness for a very long time, just because we didn't have ball joints mm -hmm. yet uh, in toys. And so, um, you know, I was watching a YouTube series the other day about some of the greatest unreleased toys and Unicron. We didn't actually get a Unicron action figure until Transformers Armada was the first time we got a Unicron when they brought him back in that series. Um, I think it was Armada. Someone online will probably <laughs> correct me. Um, but yeah, there was the, there were three different Unicron, like, Pro, 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 prototypes that I saw, and I was like, "These all look like garbage." I'm oh, so glad we did oh, not get one. <laughs> like, I thought they, you were going to tell me about yeah, how they we look missed out on it or something, but oh no. Oh no, they look oh, yeah. rough because they're like he's he looks like there's one of the mini cons that's just the the flying mm -hmm. saucer that's just like the, the he had these curved shoulders, and so they gave Unicron these curved shoulders, and the head was weird. It like popped oh, in, no. and it was not good. It was not good. <laughs> Though we are getting a Unicron that's about to be released. He's $500, no. but he's four oh feet tall. Goodness. Yeah, it looks so <laughs> good. It was released It was released this past year, like right before COVID or during COVID. Um, and it has been up for pre-order for like a year. It's sold out currently because of yeah. course it is, but it'll get in stock. But I was like, nope, that's not my collection wheelhouse. But I know a lot of Transformers fans that are like, I... Uh, oh no oh no <laughs> mine uh mine with unicron's design was always those those bat wings the yeah bat that he had wings. and i'm like i always like wondered like you know like eons ago were they actual bat wings and they just kind of like over time became the like mm -hmm. bat bone wings i don't even know what you would refer to that as but they're they're just kind of the yeah without the without the tarp of the bat wing on it yeah yeah well, because my question is, Unicron, you know, they create, you know, as you go, the series created more lore. And so they created the idea of like the originals, like the idea of Primus and all of these, like the original transforming entities mm -hmm. um, and the all spark, those kinds of things, um, which Michael Bay just did not understand. Michael Bay understood the all spark as much as white filmmakers understand <laughs> chi in Kung Fu movies. Yeah, I'm looking at you, Mulan 2020. I'm looking at you. I'm hoping Shang-Chi doesn't fuck that up. Um, but yeah, so my question is, has Unicron, because there is something interesting about him, we actually see that he devours, not to destroy specifically, but actually they all become yeah, part right, of him. Right. Like it, redu it reduces to this kind of liquid in chunks that are part of him and go through tubes and like there are sacks and things that move inside of unicron like an mm -hmm. organ does and not in the same way that like we see the autobots and decepticons transformed um and they're like interior so my question i love that you bring that up my question has always been has unicron decayed yeah. does he look differently like did he have an actual different planet surface like have things lived on him because his shape also his size shifts yes, a little yeah. bit too because he's smaller than those two moon those two suns that we see mm -hmm. at the beginning but then he's like just slightly larger than every planet that he ingests I, i've always sort but of then, felt like because of the way that uh i think it was was it daniel and bumblebee that were on the like production line and about to be dropped into the pink oh yeah, spike, spike yeah spike, spike okay. and spike and Dan yeah spike, spike and bumblebee, and bumblebee yeah but uh 
And it, it almost seems like Unicron, in my opinion, was much, much, much smaller. And he's almost like developed yeah. these processes and systems for growth. And that's just kind of what I imagined that was going to be. That was They were going to get turned into that material that he uses to expand his size. So Yeah, and what's interesting is Daniel and Spike are the only, what I would consider like organic. Yeah. Right. creatures that we see interact with them i mean they're literally the two humans in the entirety of it which i have to say i kind of prefer transformers as a non-human story now they interact with humans a lot in the show and i like that they didn't feel that we needed an earthbound story or a human bound story for this movie i actually think that's where one of its successes is that um, was my problem with aliens versus predator that's why I never could give. If that yeah. movie had taken place on some yes. rando planet and never had a word of English in it, it would have been amazing. Yes, that's okay. That's a really interesting thing because in science fiction, um, you know, right now, this is a little tangent, but Walt Disney World is preparing for their Star Wars resort to open, which is going to be a interactive, immersive 48-hour experience where you are interacting with cast members who are actors in alien prosthetics and you live through a cruise ship called the halcyon um and so they're developing like this idea of aliens but this you know for so long aliens had to be humanoid right. because of our limitations of the original star trek of the original doctor mm -hmm. who um but i agree with you that like while like alien like the the, the xenomorph is so kind of not human but has recognizable yeah. head body arms those kinds of things but the predator is very specifically humanoid um i agree with you that we also get things like fifth element where a lot of that doesn't exist in english even though they're hum yeah. perceivably human or mm -hmm. humanoid i agree with you that like we are at the point where like <laughs> parasite was an incredible film people are people love anime and they only want to watch the right. subs so like why not give me a science right. fiction film where we have to read subtitles yeah. the whole time? Create a whole fucking language. If you're not going as hard as Tolkien and or or like if you're not creating Col uh, uh, Klingon, if you're not creating Entitian Elvish, don't come <laughs> at me with your fucking bullshit sci-fi movie. I, I love how you just called out an entire community of creators for not being as good as Tolkien. <laughs> Listen, if if a devout Christian and a stalwart atheists can be best friends and create two of the most yeah. iconic uh, book series yep. ever uh, i don't know yeah. step up <laughs> also like ursa k Le Guin, uh, ursula Le Guin created multiple languages and multiple cultures and things for Earthsea. you know it's a lot of those things of like and that bordered on yeah. you know sci-fi and fantasy i am calling out <laughs> a lot of creators because but like it's true though like that whole thing if they just picked some some setting they didn't even have to name mm -hmm. the planet and then just like you said, they could have mm -hmm. grunted at each other for two hours and you just thrown up some subtitles uh -huh. in a few times when it was appropriate. And I would have loved that story, which is, I think, why yeah, I enjoy I comic books sometimes more than movies is because you tend to lean a little more that way. It's a little less made yep. for the mainstream and a less like tried to fit into stories. And I think a lot of times with science fiction, now that science fiction and fantasy um, really erupt in each mm -hmm. other, especially things with like Jupiter yeah. ascending, these kinds of things where we're creating these extensive universes or uh, this happens a lot in dystopian and post-apocalyptic things they they do so much telling and do no fucking yeah. showing 
like nothing. Have you, um, have you gone back and tried to read like a comic from like the eighties or the early nineties? Oh like yeah. Well, Dazzler's one, Dazzler's one of my, <laughs> Dazzler's one of my favorite mutants. And so I have been reading through all of her eighties run. That is her. And it's, well, it is rough. tough for that reason. Like I, there is yeah. a, such a difference between modern comics and exactly that. The, the knowledge that mm-hmm. the, I can just show it to them. They'll, they'll get there. The readers are smart. They just yes. had no concept of that in the nineties. So like I'm reading comics in the nineties and I'm like, these are pretty good. I read them now and I'm like, wow, these don't hold up for anything. Yeah. Well, it's, it's the evolution of our yeah. art forms. I would say, cause like comics, if anybody argues that comics aren't an art form, you need to set the fuck down. It's at the, the best point. form like, of storytelling out there right now. The best, because what you can do in a single right. frame of a comic is just, and it's why I just watched the Watchmen movie again for the first time since I saw it in theaters and I just reread the original okay. Watchmen. And so it's one of those things where, where it's like, what do you think of the Watchmen movie? Sorry. Ah. So I thought it was genius when I first okay. saw it, but now that I've watched the Watchmen TV series and I've reread the comic and then the new comics, I don't think Zack Snyder knows how to tell a story I... without masturbating all <laughs> over it. Like, like it's one of those things like I'm a theater designer. And so a lot of the times we talk about a director just wanting to be overly masturbatory or a playwright like Tennessee Williams does this a lot, even though he's iconic and classic, he's working through a lot of his own trauma. And so like you've got Snyder who's working through a lot of his own perceived notions about storytelling and society. And they're so privileged. They're so unaffected that like, you know, I can't get past the, the nothing that they gave, uh, uh, Marin Ackerman yes. to work with his silk yes. specter. And like, I used to look up, I used to just like almost fetishize, uh, night owl and Patrick Wilson's performance of night owl. Um, and at the end of the day, I was like, man, this movie's not that, that book is like it, amazing. That movie yes. falls way short. I've always wanted to watch it with the, the curse of the black freighter stuff interspersed in it. I've never seen that version of it, mm-hmm. but I, I would love to see that. But hold on, before we get off the Snyder thing, I got to ask you one. Yeah, no, 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 you're <laughs> did good. Did you yeah, watch yeah. the Snyder cut of of Justice League? Listen, I have a lot of time to waste, <laughs> but not that much time to waste. <laughs> I I'm I'm in my third. I'm in my thirties, like it's old or something. But I've I've hit a point where, in the last year, I've decided that as like a pop culture person, as someone that likes to stay up on things. I shouldn't put myself through experiences that I'm not passionate okay. about or that I don't really. And so, so I was like, I'm going to yeah. watch it. I, I want to watch it for Ray. I, I yes. feel so bad about his yeah. journey. Um, you know, but I don't, part of me thinks it's rewarding the kind of toxic fan behavior that yeah. got us here. It's rewarding Zack Snyder for it's not rewarding. It's rewarding Zack Snyder for not giving a shit about actual storytelling. It's rewarding a group of filmmakers who thought the best option for Wonder Woman was to give us a bunch of shots up Gal Gadot's skirt. Like there are just these little things that I still can't get past from what was left of Snyder in, in the Whedon yeah. cut. And now like I'm a diehard Buffy and Firefly fan. So like the last couple of years with Joss yeah. has been hard, but of course I'm going to yeah. listen to 
the people that experience like the uh there is matt storm who's on certain pov is a producer on a show called shut up evan and evan ross cat sat down with charisma carpenter and taught and she was very candid about her time as cordelia and her time working with joss and like we have to side with those people and their stories and it's like one of those things also like snyder pushing to put a known abuser like leto in and continue using the joker stuff i just I'm a huge Batman fan and Batman is so much more than the Joker. Mm -hmm. And like, there are just moments where I also think of all my friends who are like emerging filmmakers and are, and they're people of color and queer people who, unless you're writing something like pose and you can get a Ryan Murphy to invest in you, no one's paying attention to the work they're doing. Nobody wants to make their movies on a budget. And so we've got companies willing to, no, granted, they didn't give too much more money for the Snyder Cut, but the fact that resources and money during and before COVID went into remaking some of these scenes and reshooting and re-editing. Now, granted, they gave a lot of editors uh, and sound people sure, and Foley sure. artists and really cool sure. people. It gave them work, but I feel like they would have been able to get work otherwise. Um, it's it's a lot of those things. So a very complicated yeah, I was about to say, I'm going to watch it. This is a very... And this is me being wishy-washy and maybe no, no, no. I, but woke. I think it's, I I think feel it's like... fair to say that it's that there's there's that it's complicated, you know. Like you said, there, there were those yeah. people who 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 did get jobs from this cut, and and but there are also people who were affected negatively, and I, like you can't just look at it in the vacuum of one or the other, you know. Right. And like, while Disney doesn't need the adoration, yeah, if true. as many people watch the fucking Snyder cut that that then would turn around and went, go watch Raya and the Last Dragon which was a superb I've film I've not seen and that it yet a, but I've heard that it's it was so amazing. wonderful yeah. and it was a really nice step after Mulan 2020 this past year was a such a misstep and really in such poor taste um that it was such a good step that even if like half of those people had gone to watch the Snyder yeah. cut and then what paid the 30 bucks on Disney plus or gone to the movie theater then I would be fine with it but they're yeah. just these like smug they're smug neck beards and it's just this idea that like the toxicness that fans have any control over the art it's like you don't have to consume right. it because if you don't somebody else will and it's like maybe the mcu is proving this now the mcu isn't perfect but i want to look at black panther we had a record number of people specifically a lot of african-american people who would have never thought about seeing going and seeing a superhero film went and saw black panther made it blockbuster platinum and then were then added to the people who then went back and rewatched all the mcu they went and watched infinity wars they watched endgame they went back and consumed everything else and so at that point it was really bringing those people into the fold where i don't know if the Snyder cuts doing anything new for people. And I love that people loved it. Yeah. Like, I love that. Like I love justice league because justice league is kind of terrible. The thing is a lot of the big team up comics, it took a long time to get really good stories for them that weren't camp and things. And I like a lot of the times like justice league was so camp mm -hmm. lean into that camp. You've got all the, all of your actors are insanely funny mm -hmm. people. Ben Affleck is an insanely funny actor. Henry Cavill, I think, can do anything. I think he's a really brilliant person. Ezra Miller, despite the controversy, I think they are a brilliantly funny performer. They are nuanced performances. Perks of Being Wallflower is one of my favorite performances that they've done. Gal Gadot has the ability to be really funny and just kind of do what she needs to do, um, as well as Ray Fisher, I think. 
they're on oh, Jason Momoa. Come on. All of Aquaman was yeah. camp. Like Aquaman worked for me because it was camp. So I think if they leaned into it in that way and uh, to kind of get this back to transformers a little bit, I love like the Snyder cut is such an important question. And I actually think maybe we should have an episode of a show where we bring a bunch of people that, on to talk about it. Cause I think that would actually be a really great conversation I, I to have enjoy listening to that. Like uh, a lot of different perspectives on exactly how they see it. Mm-hmm. I think that would be fantastic. We, I think I'm going to have to pitch that to the <laughs> network then. You guys yeah, heard it here I, first. I love that. Uh, um, but I think but, but, and, when and just you to, to kind of add something, like I always feel yeah, like yeah, that's yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. important to me. Like you see a lot of people who sort of see things like that way and tend to congregate about people who see things the same way that they do. And I think that's kind of the worst thing in the world. You know what I'm saying? Like yep. it, it's okay to not have sort of like a broader perspective it's not okay to not allow yourself to have that broader perspective and so like the idea of having a bunch of people come and talk about that like i had sort of my view of of it it's cool to hear everybody Mm -hmm. else's along the way you know Mm -hmm. and really at the end of the day all you have is what you feel and what it does for you and that's what's important like you know there i I love a lot of, like, for me, I always say comics are stupid and yes. I love them. Like, like th- there is a, uh, there were many uh, movies for me that fall into that same category. Uh, <laughs> Howard the Duck. <laughs> I, okay. Uh, about six years ago, I was working uh, at a theater company that I'm not going to name so that I don't get in trouble for this interaction. <laughs> I had just bought from a local comic shop, the, the Howard the Duck Funko yeah. Pop. It was in my bag at work. And we were doing a charity co- or we were doing a concert and Chip Zine was there watching someone else because he is a huge musical theater star uh, and he's a film star. But he is, as not many people knew, is the voice of Howard the Duck. So the, ba- the original Baker from Into the Woods is the voice of Howard the Duck. Um, and uh, so he was at the show and I had the Funko oh. Pop in my bag and I was like, Mr. Zine, I'm really sorry. I don't want to bother you. You're literally having a drink. Thank you for coming. I have something oddly that's like specific to your career in my bag. I would you sign it? And he was like, "Yeah, sure." He's like, "Is a vault setters or into the woods?" And I went, "Howard the duck." Uh, I pulled it out. He said, "Who the fuck are you?" He looked me dead in the eye. He was like, "Who the fuck are you?" I was like, "I'm that weird subsection of musical theater professional and comic book." a fan i was like i wasn't allowed to watch howard the duck as a kid and i know why but i love it as an adult and he was like he was like your test is questionable but thank you he's like i actually never get howard the duck stuff and i was like well i appreciate you thank you and he signed oh, that's it for awesome. me. um and oh, so awesome. it's it's uh one of my prized possessions but it's one of those weird things uh where we'll talk about it a little bit at the end howard the duck was released the same year as this yeah. movie uh, transformers um but i agree that i think Sometimes we all need to acknowledge that like hardcore comic fans, there aren't, you know, there are a lot of uh, people out there who have read the comics and have kept up on the stories. But I think what's really important now that I think a lot of the discourse is happening is that there is room for both the movie and television fans who are just joining super superhero uh, pop culture now versus the fans who have always been there. And I think there's room at the table for both because the properties are created for right. both. And I think sometimes we need to acknowledge when maybe this isn't for the hardcore fan, it's for the new casual fan. And there are some, like the team behind Deadpool has gotten it. They yes, get it. Absolutely. They like, they get it. The team behind Shazam yep. got it. They understood. And that brought tons of people in. Like, unless you're a hardcore DC fan, 
you probably don't know a ton about Shazam and Billy Batson. You probably don't know his story. You don't know that it's really weird that he's just like the sex Adonis with the mind yeah. of a 10 year old. <laughs> like, you know, it's those things that like, you know, it's, that's what's weird about him. But now like Zach Levi did such a good job with him and the, the, the team was so smart. Um, you know, you have to lead into this. You have to understand your source material and understand what's going to work in film because comics is the perfect storytelling art form. And it's why things like Noel Stevenson's Lumberjanes or uh, Sophie Thompson did um, the Jim and the Holograms comic in a way that was so much more effective than the original Jim could ever have been. Um, even a lot of the My Little Pony comics for Boom, they were for kids, but like they've told some really cool stories. Comics has this ability to do it, but you also under, have to understand like the tone in your source material. And I think Transformers does that. They get the tone of it because it's super camp. When we go to these other planets, like when you've got Cup and 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 Hot Rod literally going up in front of this insane courtroom, yeah. uh, which I believe that character has been brought back in Bumblebee. All of those characters were brought back in the Bumblebee the, the cartoon series that's going on right now. Yeah, the Sharktacons, the like the magistrate with the rolling yeah. heads. Like I've seen toys of them at Target oh, recently and, and like the new art form because Bumblebee has a show now. I guess it's a cartoon where Bumblebee's leading the Autobots and it's like Bumblebee and RC and some of them. It's like some of this B team. Um, And then when we're on the, the junk planet, which it's also like, great, if we have planets of automatons, like surely there would be this robotic planet, which of course voiced by Eric Idle music by oh, weird Al. dare to be stupid is the best. So <laughs> fucking good. And in, if it wasn't the team who, so the director and the voice director of this directed a lot of the transformer series. He directed almost all of gem. He directed some of GI Joe's. And so Wally understands the story that they've been telling. And so like, that is probably a filler episode of a show that they would have done that nobody would have thought twice about. But in this, they spend just, you know, they literally spend like eight and a half minutes on both of those planets, but it is such a great furthering of this universe. It sets up cause they come back to both of those planets in the TV series, I believe. Um, and, and so they're setting up a further universe, but they lean into the camp that we're like sentient robots with feelings and, and things like they're, but they're so they're, they're the iconic parts that stand right. out to me right. about right. this movie. I, and I absolutely, I was watching this, um, Eric Idle voicing Rickar, I think was his name. Uh, and then all those, but the, they hop on the, one of them will turn into a motorcycle and the other one will hop on and then they'll get knocked off. And then the other one will turn into a motorcycle and the other one will hop on. And yeah. I'm like, I love this so much. I don't know why that stood out to me so much, but I absolutely loved it. Just, and the, the well, yeah, the like, way they had just sort of like, you could tell that they had sort of like built themselves out of whatever parts were mm -hmm. available to them. And they all kind of look the same and they all kind of similarly do the same thing, mm -hmm. but exactly that, you know, that, that whole, this is a very different place than any of the other planets that we've seen. I loved the shark decons yeah. too, though. The <laughs> shark decons are so good because we also, I believe we would start getting the Maximals and Predacons in a form of them in the TV series after this. But this is the first time yeah. other than um, Blaster and Soundwave's cassettes that we're getting yes. non, yeah, we're getting non-vehicle mm -hmm. Um, base forms. And so they're these like 
Cthulhu, like Lovecraftian <laughs> creepy shark things that then become creepy shark yep. things as well. Like they look like a kid's like easy, you know, now they have the easy transforming figures and it's like pop, 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 yep. pop, pop. And they, you know, it's like, they, they don't have to be as uh, elaborate as the other ones. Like they have a very, and then you also get like, the piranha bots that are trying to eat hot rod. Like we don't see them transform, but you get the idea that they are probably able to transform into these tiny little two foot tall e evil little, little fish things. And so it's there again. I think it's, it's the, the design of everything because they were able to spend time with a motion picture budget and a motion picture time frame where they were able to, you could tell, that Rekgar was probably, he was drawn and then they used bits of yeah. him, but like not everything was as easily replicatable as the show is. There's a deeper, there's like a really deep color palette to this whole movie. That's wonderful. Also, cause typically we haven't seen a transformer that's got a silver, gold, yellow, and brown palette. Like the, the fact that like, they're also the same palette as their, their planet. Yeah is so genius because they're having to blend in and they're literally standing there and no one can see them really uh, except each other because they know but there are those little things that i thought were just they could have easily thrown away and not thought about but i thought it was such an effective use of what they could do with this um and it really so well and then i say we haven't but unicron is also like brown red <laughs> yellow that's it's it different. but um yeah it is different um but it's got such a, a much more deep color palette than the show does. Cause the show uses lots of like flat primaries where this, you could tell they used a more, uh, advanced animation yeah. style. Um, and also that none of this was done with any sort of computer no. graphics. Cause this is the year after black cauldron. It was the year before, um, great mouse detective, which I referenced because Disney was starting to use, digital aspects of how they told storytelling. You story could telling. tell that this was definitely not well, computer but... generated in about, oh, I don't know, the first four seconds of the show or of the movie. Oh, yeah. You get to oh, see yeah. that yeah. sort of like natural breaks that happened when you have that. Mm -hmm. But I oh, love I that about this. Like, the, And it's something why Michael Bay's Transformers didn't work for me because I don't want... I don't want to realistically understand why every part becomes another part of the robot. I kind of want that like magical, mysterious transformation because it's just the, the, it's so fucking cool. And you know, that like Optimus is as simple as he literally stands up. Like he's very straightforward. We understand how Optimus kind of right. transforms and he's but like, even in this, they give him the little, like he's going and he goes to transform, but he's got little like jet yeah. propulsions things that he used to like fight someone off. There are those little things that they're able to go just that much further with this. And they make it so rich and so interesting to watch. I, uh, I don't want to look I, away while I'm watching this film I know you, at all. You'd said we were going to compare and contrast the, the Michael Bay stuff later. I, 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 we can do yeah. it now too. I mean, cause it's going to come up through the conversation the, just because they're the two things that we have to compare to The first to time now. that I saw the first Michael Bay and I'll admit, I haven't watched all of that. I think I may have watched the first two and, and I was like, these are not for me. Um, the first yeah. time I watched the first Transformers, I was like, wow, that was kind of amazing. The second time I watched it, mm -hmm. I said, no, no, it wasn't. It was two hours of shaky mm -hmm. cam. 
And mm-hmm. like at that time, I had been watching these these old serials of the Green Hornet that used to run before movies in the like 30s and 40s. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting mm-hmm. there watching them do complete fight scenes without camera breaks through an entire room. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, they were doing this 80 years ago. You can't master it with all the computer tech and everything that we have now. Mm-hmm. You just have to do shaky cam to make it look like action is happening. And so I would get like yeah. insanely frustrated watching it. I can handle a little bit of that. But when it's just the predominant feature of the movie... I'm like, I don't want to watch this anymore. I, I can't do it. Well, and also because they made all of the color palettes of all of them very yes. similar. It's the, the I'm going to reference in the first movie, the Optimus Megatron yeah. fight. When they're grappling and, and spinning, you, you could not yep. tell where one began and one Absolutely ended. True. And while I guess seeing all of the bits, it gave you more to like see get ripped away, but yeah, like, I don't, I don't need it. There's something, yeah, there's something so much more effective about like the Megatron. Also, I don't remember Megatron having a lightsaber, but he had one in this <laughs> who he like, he goes to like gut Optimus with, but like, there are those moments of like, oh shit, like very minor. I don't need to see him like gut Optimus to then have it pull away. And then suddenly we got part of Optimus's no. bits are hanging out like his, his wires and stuff. Like it's no, that, all that stuff was done very, very well with those. Exactly. Like you said, those red mm-hmm. and blue blocks that were Optimus prime. Mm-hmm. And like literally all he did was stand mm-hmm. up, but we still thought the transformation was amazing. You know, it was uh, great. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't need, I I'm, I'm with you a hundred percent on that. Mm-mm. Also, I'll never forgive them for making um, Bumblebee a Mustang. I get that it was a corporate sponsor, but like, fuck you guys. The charm of him was that he was a Volkswagen Beetle and he was scrappy. The Autobots, we are supposed to feel that they're not flashy. They are outnumbered. They are outdated. That is the whole thing with the Autobots. That was his name. That was like the whole bit, you know, was, uh, yeah, it was terrible terrible yeah it mm, mm, mm. which is why i was happy for the Haley stanfeld one where he gets to stay a fucking <laughs> bumble he gets to stay the bug the bug now i do like that they're leaning into this idea that like he's non-verbal because his processor got yeah. damaged that that is fun that that was fun with the music um but then that also leads to like no an animated series would have never applied for the rights right. or been able to pay for the rights to use you know 400 different auditory things for movies and music Hello, my name is Hans Martin Jr., your real movie critic. If you enjoy discussing upcoming movie news, looking at new trailers, and reviewing the year's hottest movies, then tune in to... Hey, 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 Hans, What? Are you doing the promo without me? Uh, yeah, I am. How come? Because everyone knows I'm the better host of this podcast. Oh, it's like that, huh? You think you can review movies better than me. Uh, I don't think I can. I know. Oh, we'll see about that. This is... The Real Movie Critic. Versus... The Cine Guy. Mondays only at CertainPOV.com or wherever you listen to your podcast. We're also on Spotify and iTunes. You're going down, critic. Bring it on, guy. But it's, you know, it's the simplicity of the original of like, there were things that we just didn't question. Kids don't question. They go, great. Transforming alien vehicles. We're there. 
you don't need to explain it to yep. me. You didn't need to justify nope. anything. And this movie doesn't feel the need to. So yep. they don't. And that's great. Where I feel like they felt the need to justify every single thing in the new Bay films. And they didn't. They The only thing in this plot-wise, I feel like the movie was originally supposed to be 15 minutes longer. And they started cutting it or they because the unicron once they get inside unicron it is five minutes well, till the finish. yeah it is very fast and this kind of monolith ends up being really easy yeah. to defeat now i do get it that the idea that the antithesis of him is that the the matrix once yeah. unlocked would be his easy mm -hmm. downfall and i do get that and they did go into that further with the tv series when it's like the um, the matrix is based is from Primus. You are you are connected to the core of Cybertron itself. And also, this is a you know a um, giant planet that has done everything in the world to build up its exterior defenses. So once inside, yes, it was kind of yeah. a different story. Yep, and it, you know it is so interesting. But I guess they could explore him, and that's one of those things where I just go, the size was a questionable because sometimes. I didn't get where they were, but it worked as also as well. And you could tell, you know, we know that they had several different animation companies from several different countries working on this and that kind of thing. Cause that is what animation was at the time. Um, but again, that was the only thing where I went, ha, huh, I feel like it took us a long time to get here and then no time to wrap up at all. Like it took us so little time to wrap up this yeah. movie. Um, now apparently when this was, uh, when it went to the UK and when they rebroadcast it in 2018 or 2017 for the uh, anniversary, um, they did the version where it replaced the original credits with scrolling text like yeah. Star Wars. And then the end ended with uh, an Optimus Prime will return in Transformers the series, like assuring yeah. the kids that Optimus Prime will be back. Um, because again, it was the movie did not fall succinctly with film no. release. It's, it's much like, um, Oh, what were, Oh God, what was I? Oh, we, we did the Pokemon movies. And so the first two Pokemon movies, we know they fall canonically in the series in references, but it's always one of those. It's like, but yeah. where do they fall? And so this was the same way that like this came out quicker than I think yeah. they were ready for it too. So there was still quite a few, I think there was another six months or so uh, before that, like Optimus disappeared in the show and, and it was Rodimus prime at that point. But yeah, it's, so that's the, I think one of my only complaints about this would be that the ending seems wrapped up yeah. a little too quickly for me, but that's just, this is a movie where I found I actually had to be super nitpicky with because I think because it was the crew, the creative crew from the series and a lot of the voice actors, they didn't have to do a lot of like convincing a cast, convincing a new creative team of the story. They already knew what the trajectory of the movie was supposed to be and what the trajectory of the characters after would be. And so like they knew Judd Nelson wouldn't be doing Rodimus Prime after, but you know, that was a small yeah. thing or Nimoy wouldn't be doing um, Galvatron. That's a small thing that you have to fix. But like when they knew that it would be continuing in a simpler version in the series. So they didn't have to kind of win people along. If you, I also feel like you could watch this movie without knowing the Transformers I, series. Maybe a base level understanding of it. But I agree with that. Because like mm -hmm. I said, I don't remember many of the key points from the show. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I, I have probably a pretty thorough understanding of the characters, I'd imagine. But, like, 
yeah, I don't I don't need anything else. I this movie could live on its own in my head forever. Well, and I feel like when they were selling this movie that the people that were going to go see it were the kids obviously, but it was also like teenagers and young adults who were yeah. nerds who were, you know, the Warhammer players, they were the comic book fans, they were the animation fans, they were they were you're a little bit older. You know, this is an effect this is like where if they tried to do a live action, it wouldn't have worked. If they tried to do a different version of this, it wouldn't have worked much like masters. Of the universe just didn't work because nobody involved knew had any, they didn't give a shit about the series. They, they didn't care. And so masters, of the universe just didn't okay. work where this, I think works so beautifully because I have agreed with you on many points right up until now. <laughs> Cause if you tell me that movie didn't work, I, okay. I like I that, love movie, that movie, so hard. but it's not to me. It's not no, it's not. Masters. I, I can very much agree with that portion. It is very much different. It is. It's like it's it's like Space Conan. Yes. Like yes. if they literally done like a Techno Conan, if they had done, and I think it was they were seeing that. But like, it's a really good Space Conan. <laughs> it's a great Space Conan. There is a there's an episode. Case and I did it for certain POV, and I really enjoy that movie also because the designs are yeah, kind of fun it's kooky courtney cox is trying her level best opposite Dolph, <laughs> Dolph Lundgren. like they're trying so hard now it's where now i go you know i think we could do a he-man movie or series live action now because we could yeah. make it work i think they could because if you slap a game of thrones budget behind a human yeah, series it would be yeah. awesome like a space game of thrones done let's do it i mean but then you also had noel stevenson's shira which was utter perfection I, okay. and it was so still animated. I, I have not watched the transformers uh netflix show because i didn't know it was mm -hmm. a thing until recently i haven't i haven't either uh, i've heard it's not great but if you're a transformers fan you should I've watch watched it the noel stevenson shira and that is amazing it made me go out and buy a bunch of noel stevenson's books mm -hmm. but um yeah. You know that Kevin Lumberjane. Let me tell you, Lumberjane. Kevin Smith is uh is making He Man now for Netflix, right? Have you seen this? Did you see? The, yeah, did you see the animated? They they released like the trailer oh, and no, like, I didn't screenshots of it this along. week. Oh yeah, the, oh yeah. We have animation is out. The cast is out. Uh, this, a bunch of the original voice actors oh, are really? back for. Oh, so Mark Hamill is Skeletor, but the original voice actor of Skeletor is playing one of the monsters. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Just so he's there, and I went good. Skeletor. <laughs> oh, Mark Hamill is. I'll get you. He is the level best. Um, but also, mm -hmm. I watched the the Netflix Voltrons. Uh, I watched the first season of that. <gasps> so good. Yeah, I loved it. I loved so it. Good. Like all these old properties, good. they're just taking and they're killing it with them. At least what I've seen. You know, so let me tell you, Dream DreamWorks understands how to tell an yeah. animated story because Troll Hunters is phenomenal. Um, how to train your dragons. Like, and it's also, I don't feel at any point that they treated Voltron as lesser because it was a series and not a tele and not uh, a movie. But like, I feel like got the same care that how to train your dragon got, even though it was different sides of, of, of DreamWorks. And I feel the same way about Shira. Now, do I feel like they didn't market Shira or do oh, toys well enough for Shira? Yeah, because we didn't get toys for Shira until season four. And now they're impossible to find and they're super expensive and they only marketed them as yeah. dolls. And so like they kind of missed the whole point of the the yeah. new She-Ra series. But you know, that happens with toy companies all the time. I, I feel like toy companies should be run by toy yeah. fans. Um, it's, why Mattel, it's why Mattel is doing so well because they had fans that came on and started working and they developed Maddie Collector. And like 
those the he-man figures they've been making over the last like 10 years that are the really or like really well sculpted the adult collector line but i i think the kevin smith he-man looks great i think it's a nice combination because kevin smith is a nerd first he is a fan first and anytime someone's like kevin smith's touching something and i go well great uh his daughter harley quinn is in it too i think it's so great awesome uh, she's one of the she's one of the minor, but like Sarah Michelle Geller is Tila. Oh, like it's gonna be so good. Cree Summer is the fucking <laughs> witch because of course she is because I worship Cree Summer. But like it's a great um Lena Headey from oh. Game of Thrones is Evelyn like or not Evelyn yeah. Yeah. Evelyn, I sorry Evelyn is is the Liz. <laughs> um yeah I think it's I think it's one of those where it's a shame an animated Transformers series isn't great when they've made it for this war on Cybertron era, because we have things like Noel Stevenson's um, and, and we have Voltron and we have He-Man that looks like it's going to be great from Kevin Smith. And I know we are getting a live action He-Man with Noah Centrino as Prince Adam. Um, Also from Netflix. Um, uh, but I know that Kevin Smith has said he really is open to collabing with Noel Stevenson. And I was it like, give us yeah, the crossover, you cowards. <laughs> well, but also what's really great just out of this, it, Prince Adam is thin. Like he's not super ripped and bulky so that when he becomes He-Man. It doesn't look like he just changed clothes. They're, they, they are transformation. <laughs> yeah, he also doesn't look like a gay sex doll from the 80s now. Now, I... If we're talking about like the original like He Man and Bo, like there is a definite like as a queer person, I like love the like overly bulky, super muscly like it's just funny. And then that the, like the original Bo has like a porn stash on the heart in the middle of this thing, and I was like, "Girl, who you fooling? Who you fooling?" But you know it it makes me go. Uh, how cool would it be to see someone like Noel Stevenson and Kevin uh, Smith collaborate be... on an animated Animorphs? Oh. Some like take that series and really like that would be amazing. Like, like Ali Mashaka as Rachel. Come on, that'd be so good. Like, give me that Shira cast as the cast of trans uh, of oh, Animorphs. Let's so do good. it. It'd be so good, and I think it would be less campy than a live action yeah. would. Uh, Cause I know you guys are about to get to the TV series, yeah. which I don't think you've seen yet. Oh, have I've seen, you uh, like maybe five or six episodes. We tried to do some recordings over it. And now we're just going to do like regular reviews. Like we did the books. Um, I am so <laughs> excited to hear what you have to say. Cause it is wild. But Sean Ashmore, Aaron, is that Aaron Ashmore? Or Sean uh, I think Ashmore? it's Sean. It's Sean Ashmore. It's Jake, yeah. right? They're the yeah. same really, but they Iceman is Jake, yeah. but you know, it's one of those things that, like, Oh, if you have people who are going to treat it with kind of grace and understand where it's coming from. Cause like, let me, let me tell you, Frank Langella as Skeletor, that man doing Shakespeare as Skeletor was genius in that original, um, you know, masters film, but like, it's not, it's not what the same masters was. It's not that it's that idea of understanding your camp. And I think this transformers movie really, even for the few, I I would say uh, the occasional misstep in this film, this is an effective film because it dances that line. I mean, it still has like a 70% rating in rotten tomatoes from critics, which is pretty big for considering that like, other 80s movies of the times like have like a 40 or a 30 because you still have the like right, Siskel and right. Ebert's reviewing this film but like so I 
Especially now. I, yeah, I, go I ahead. went back go ahead. and I read some of the reviews while we were sort of getting prepared mm-hmm. for this thing. Mm-hmm. And like uh, most of the time I try to live my life in sort of like a, like other than poking fun at people, you like what you like mm-hmm. and, and you don't have yeah. to explain there. Anything. I literally was getting mad at the reviews of this movie because it was just the wrong people reviewing the movie. Uh, yes. It was a bunch of adults yes. reviewing the movie for the adults. And I'm, that's not what this movie was at all. This movie was made for no. six-year-olds and it was mm-hmm. made to traumatize us and teach us that there were bad things in the world. <laughs> uh, and, but yeah. I, I read some sort of like newer reviews from like recent years from people from my age. And I'm like, they get it. They get it. And it sort of re- get it. reset everything for me. But yeah, I, I could not stand that, that, those reviews. This, this, this thing oh. didn't, I guess it lost money in the theater i'm sure it's made money by now after like dvd sales and stuff but like yeah it, it didn't do well I mean, at all so pulling up the wiki it had a, so they're not you know this is happens a lot at this time no one really knows what the real numbers were so this movie cost between five and six million but so it says it made 5.8 million in the u.s or it only made 2.6 million in all of north america <laughs> no one knows and I was like, okay, that's a huge yeah. difference. Um, but I think what they've said is it opened 14th on its opening yeah, weekend. Um, uh, but it made 1.7 million in its first weekend. Now, when you're considering that this is still back when you paid rentals for movies yeah. and it only opened in 990 theaters, like, your typical Avengers film opens now in about 3,500, yeah. you know, per country. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's one of those that like, it ultimately made 5.8 million, which is equivalent to about 14. Now Hasbro lumps this in with one other film that came out the <laughs> same year. Uh, that they made with the De Laurentiis Entertainment Group. And the problem is the other movie that I love, it's not a great movie, <laughs> but it's another one that's got like Carol Burnett, Madeline Kahn, and 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 and, and like Tony Randall. So it's like great. Oh, um, um uh oh god, Danny Vito's wife. Uh, What's her Rhea name? Perlman. Rhea Perlman. Yeah. Like, yeah, like great yeah. cast. Um, but they lumped this in with the My Little Pony movie. And so between the two, they lost about ten million dollars between the two films. This is not My Little Pony is not the movie that lumps and I always lump this in with G.I. Joe the movie. Which I uh-huh. hate. I but do not care for that. I also yeah. hate I also hate this, that movie. This movie leaned into um, the things we liked about the show. G.I. Joe mm-hmm. departed from all the things that we liked about the show. It's very military industrial complex as an animated film, which was really getting to a point in the 80s with approaching operation desert storm it was not it became a propaganda film and i don't care for that about the gi joe film the new gi joe film i think is a more effective version of gi joe than the The old uh, cartoon movie stuff was just like wild you had a bunch of like organic villains and stuff like i don't know mutant type deals yes yes it, yes it wasn't the same and that's not the point. Um, but what they also chalked this up to, so this opened August 8th of 1986. Yeah. August 8th is kind of... The end of summer. It's end of summer. A lot of states like Florida, they've already gone yeah. back to school. 
you've the college students are reporting back band campus started those kinds of things um and so you also had kids where they were working during the summer so if you've got your teenagers who might have gone to see this movie um they were working at the local ice cream shop or amusement park and they're not going to go see this this movie also released the same summer as short circuit ferris bueller's day off labyrinth big trouble in little china karate kid 2 aliens howard the duck stand by me flight of the navigator and the fly i, I so I this had not thought about what a great the, year for movies 86 was Listen, 85, 86, brilliant year for films between the John Hughes films, Goonies, Indiana Jones, all of these things. Like we I were getting- Top Gun was in there too. Did you say Top Gun? Yeah. Top Gun? I did not say Top Gun, but, and so those were just the movies from the summer. And so when you've got all of them and you've got families who are not going to go to the movies, if you're going to pick between Ferris Bueller's Day Off and Transformers, yeah, you're not seeing Transformers. Um and so, you know, it was also convincing parents to go spend five bucks on Transformers when you could set them down and make them watch the TV show. You know, that that was the hard sell. It was the same thing with Care Bears. Um, with both of now they got two movies. Um, and Care Bears came out the year before this, I believe, and then Care Bears 2 came out in 87. Um, those actually did really well in the cinema. Um, but I think a girl's, a quote unquote girl's movie is easier to sell than a boy's action movie of a cartoon, I think, arguably. Um, and so they, they felt that it was ultimately lost and they were having to go with some of the younger small distribution companies that didn't have the clout to sell the big as the same as the big bulk companies that were producing and putting out. Now it has gotten cult fame since then it's been remastered. It's had several home video releases and it was released in 750 theaters in 2018 and made more in those 750 theaters yeah. in one night one night than uh than it did in its entire original run now granted i was one of the people that went and saw this and i paid 17 dollars to watch this in the movie theater because fuck you that's why <laughs> you know it's it's the same thing like that same year i went and saw little shop of horrors oh no no, no. 2017 i saw little shop of horrors for halloween we went and saw labyrinth we went and saw dark crystal um you know, part of going to the cinema now is going to see movies that you never got to see before. Like I, the one thing about COVID, I live in Florida. And so we never really reclosed, we never closed. And so a lot of our movie theaters stayed open, but nothing new was coming out. So like they were charging $5 to go see Raiders of the Lost Ark in movie theaters. So of course I went yeah. and saw Raiders. Of course I went and saw Empire. Of course I went and saw Temple of Doom. I went and saw Goonies on the big screen. Um, even for Halloween, it was me and my two good friends and we saw Hocus Pocus and we were the only two, three people in the theater. And so like, I wasn't allowed to see that as a kid. So it was just one of those that like, I would go back and see this again if it was on, just seeing a remastered version of this movie where it didn't look distorted digitally um and got to see it in the th i just of course i went and saw this you know why wouldn't the I? only uh the only time um, that i've been we, we went to sort of like event movies um mm -hmm. we saw the man who killed don quixote a little a little while ago but the only time i've seen one of these like sort of like retro type throwback deals there was a moment that came up that they were showing the wrath of khan and there was no mm -hmm. way that we were not going to go 
Like, yep. no way. Yeah. But if I'd have known about absolutely. the Transformers movie, if I'd have been able to go, I, I would have absolutely. I I only knew about it because living in Florida, they were like, oh, you can go to Orlando or Jacksonville. And it was when Movie Pass yeah. was out. So it was like during the peak. And so it was included. I think I paid $5 extra. And I was like, cool, I'll drive down to Orlando. I'll stay and I'll go to Disney the yeah. next day. So it was one of those things that like, I went, I knew nobody would want to go with me, but I went and the theater was packed. But it's the same now as like, 20 years ago, you would, if an anime released one night in a movie theater, it'd be you and four right. people. But I went and saw the Demon Hunter movie two weeks ago when it was packed. They'd add two extra showings because they can only have a 50% capacity. So like, or I went and saw the Sailor Moon, one of the Sailor Moon movies two summers ago, the theater was packed in my small hometown just outside of DC. Like it's those things where they're the movies that people are willing right, to go right. see now because well, one, we all have a disposable income. It's why they can price these reproductions of the transformers toys at for between 20 and a hundred dollars and people are buying them. Um, and it's one of those things that like, I want to, you know, I love movies. I like getting to watch them anywhere, but there's something about watching them yeah. on a big screen. It's like, I last week went and saw Kong versus Godzilla in the theater. Nobody was in there with me. It was so good just to like experience that film. But I was like, yeah, I pay for HBO max, but I don't want to watch right, that movie right. on my little iPad yeah. screen. I want to watch it on a, I'm going to see a Kaiju yeah. movie. I want to watch a Kaiju movie on a big screen. I got, um, I got you know, frustrated so this opportunity by as some well. people with that movie because they were trying to tell me why like the science of it didn't work. And I was like, you have completely missed the point of this movie exactly big gorilla big lizard let them go at it that's all i want as long as they fight i'm good i'm good it's this it's the same people that are like well mermaids can't be black because scientifically and i said no 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 you baby 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 stop just gotta stop there oh i love this you tangent in the same way that i do i absolutely love this um what are some things we've talked about everything that we love about it what are some things is there anything upon rewatch and Again, I don't like using good and bad on this podcast. I like to use the the thought of effective versus yeah. ineffective. Was there anything upon rewatch this week that you felt is just not as effective as the rest can of the I, film? Can I tell you that I'm going to say that I don't? And this is probably yeah, this is probably fine. a product of the fact that six year old me still lives inside me. Like I just mm -hmm. like this movie is up on a pedestal, and so like it's impossible for me to look at it with that critical eye. You know, um, other yeah. than like Unicron's bat wings, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like outside of that, like, it's just one of those things that I just adore so much that I can't mm -hmm. look at it and find the negative in it. All I can do is, you know, think about how I felt as a six year old kid waiting for Optimus Prime to get back up. And then they blew up Ultra yeah. Magnus. And, oh, and then but then when Hot Rod oh. took that leadership matrix, I'm like, my life has been changed. I am fundamentally altered. And he gets beefed up. He yeah. gets beefed up too. Yeah. He, his 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 dark gray goes or his dark red goes yeah. black. Like he gets he gets a little uh I don't I don't know what kind of vehicle he's supposed to be, but like I don't yeah. care. <laughs> <laughs> he's suddenly like an RV meets yeah, a sports that's exactly car and I kind of want one. Like, a, like a sports car semi truck or something, but I I just love it. Listen. Love it. That sounds yeah. great. And I live in Florida. It looks like something that you would probably find at Daytona beach, uh, with a couple smoking Marby Sims yeah. out front. Mar Marby. Um, I, I honestly have yeah, to agree with yeah. you that like, I'm sure that on, like, there is somebody who can critically look at this thing and find a ton wrong with it. I'm not that person. Yeah. No. And that's also not always what we're right. here to do right. because 
it's those situations where I don't think there are a lot of times where nostalgia is yes. damaging on how we're able to look at things. And I would argue a lot of Star Trek or Star Star Wars and MCU and DC fans where the nostalgia is so those those nostalgia lenses yeah. are like screwed into mm -hmm. your face and they damage a lot of your perspective where for this when it is such leaps and bounds better than the animated <laughs> show even though it's fun they're alien transforming yeah. cars yeah. at the end of the day like who yeah. cares like i also think breaking it down compared to things like the my little pony movie and and even like labyrinth labyrinth isn't a particularly compelling movie it's visually cool but i gotta tell you i fell asleep when i went and saw it in theaters again you just hit a point it's a little boring but like i worship i i will i literally worship every single thing that jim henson touched because he revolutionized Absolutely. so much um, and this was a boom, like the 1980s were a boom of children and teen programming. Like, it's not all great. Like I watched Jim and the holograms probably once a year from beginning to end. And it is trash, <laughs> but let me tell you, it is so important yeah. to me yeah. and I love it so much. And that's why I was mad that the live action movie was so bad because they had so, they had such a low mm -hmm. bar that like they still managed to fuck it up. There's several shows um, that I won't go back and watch. Like I recently went back mm -hmm. and watched Battle of the Planets and I just couldn't get through it. I was like, this, yeah. Mm, that That's a situation where the dub yeah. ruined a lot. But like, like I won't, I won't go back and watch Silverhawks. I won't go back and watch Masks all, or Mask mm -mm, because mm -mm, these were mm -mm, things mm -mm. that I just loved as a child and I'm just going to leave them mm -hmm. there because there's no way that they can transition yeah. with me, you know? Yeah. There are a few things now, like for me, My Little Pony is the same way. Like I, like Anna and Case did My Little Pony, the movie for uh, for uh, another pass. Um, and they really are not, uh, Anna, um, Rachel Quirky Shank. And they really broke it down and they were like, this is awful. And I was like, yeah, okay, but <laughs> singing goop. It's, it's, it's Madeline Kahn and Cara Burnett and Rhea Pullman singing on floating purple goop. Like, I don't care what you say. This is so it's great. It's the worst when you, when you have just to defend an argument where... that you know makes no sense. You're like, no. But you know <laughs> you're wrong. But it's like, those are the situations where like, I will die yes, on this hill. Yes. This is a point where I can be wrong. Um, and I, but I agree. Like, I'm sure if somebody else who has never seen this before uh, went and broke it down, but I even think storytelling wise, Though I think the first two acts are very long where the last two acts are very mm -hmm. short of this film. Well, really it's a five act structure for a film, which to me, which is a little strange storytelling wise, but I don't care. Cause I love it. <laughs> I just enjoy it. Um, and I think even, you know, where is the beginning a little long? Maybe you do a lot in the beginning. Um, I'm glad they don't spend longer on the two planets. I'm glad we spend just enough time to get there, you know, find our trash friends, find our Sharktacons and like get off world and then go uh, address Unicron. And then you're only inside Unicron for about 10 minutes. Like, you know, the first two acts of this film really, I'd say are from the beginning up to when, um, uh, hot rod and cup crash land in yep. the water. And then from there to the end, um, that first chunk of the movie is about 38 to 42 minutes. The second, mm, no, it's longer than that. It's 48. And then the second half of the movie is only 20. Yeah. 
25, 35 minutes. And so they do so much more in that, but it's because it's what they needed to do storytelling wise. And I think it's, I think it's fine. I think it's great. I think this movie is super rewatchable. Like I am mad. It's not on a streaming service. Yeah. Like Hasbro needs to have a partnership. I don't understand why Hasbro doesn't have a partnership yet with one of the streaming services, uh, because this should really be on. I feel like Paramount plus would actually be a really great yeah, place for this. Like a lot of, or I don't know why people aren't like Roke. Okay. Roku TV, oddly enough, has a lot of the old shows on them. And so like, you can like right now you can go watch all of my little pony on Roku TV. Really? Um, yeah, you can, and they have a lot of Strawberry Shortcake. Um, they had Rainbow Bright for a while. They had the first two seasons of G.I. Joe completely. Um, and they're in the syndicated versions, which is interesting because they're cut down just a little more. But I don't understand why some of these streaming services aren't tapping into this You're nostalgia. Right. Paramount right. Plus is doing it with Nickelodeon because they've got Nick Arcade. They've got all those original Nickelodeon shows and people are buying into that hard and hbo max has all the cartoon network canon which is important but they're not advertising yeah. it which i think is interesting but i would love to see someone go in and i know the rights for a lot of these things are funky because like sunbow and marvel productions don't exist anymore they've been flipped they've been re-owned they've been repurchased so many times um i don't even know who technically i guess Hasbro and Universal own the rights to this I, movie. I don't know. Some, I know uh, that there was one property that we were looking at. I don't think it was this one, but that was exactly uh, it. Like the reason that it hasn't had anything done with it is because nobody can figure out who actually owns it anymore because of all yeah. those type movies. Well, and that happened. Do you remember Little Nemo and Slumberland? Uh, it's the anime. Um, no oh, one owns it. Literally, the rights are completely open to that. No one owns it yeah. right now. And I think I literally went and looked. It's like ten grand to buy the entire rights of this. And I went, a, a friend of mine who loves it went, can we get 10 grand together? Cause I want to own, you know, I want to own Nemo <laughs> yeah. Slumberland. Like. But like my, my, my question in that, you said that nobody owns it. It's 10 grand. Yeah, like literally who would, who would you the, give 10 grand to, to get it? Like I, that's the thing is I like the rights have gone up. Um, but what's interesting so like is like bank or something is probably just sitting on it or. Yeah, probably. I'm sure it's yeah. someone's, or it's someone's, uh, what do you call oh, it? Yeah, 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 I don't yeah, actually yeah. know how that works, but it's like one of those things where like the ownership ran out of it. Well, and it's like De Laurentiis Entertainment Group. Um, it's all of their, so technically it's all of this is owned by Paravision International. They bought all of, um, they bought... So they were Embassy Films Associates before, which I, I remember, remember Embassy, that. they um, they did, because they did like Phantasm yeah. and a lot of like Watership Down. Um, then they became the De Laurentiis group uh, between 84 and 89. And then in 89, the studio was acquired by Calarco. But then that went to fucked in 95. And so all of the film assets of Colarco were acquired by Paravision International, who does not have a Wikipedia page. Just like an investment company, maybe? Yeah. I guess. Um, so it's one of those that, like, it's gotten past. But, like, they did... Um, they did things like Maximum Overdrive, My Little Pony, the movie... 
uh, Radioactive Dreams, The Original Trick or Treat, um, Crimes of the Heart, King Kong Lives, The Evil Dead 2. Um, uh, Date with an Angel. Like they literally, oh, they did Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Um, It was, they co-produced with Nelson, but Orion purchased that back. But Oh, and they did Earth Girls Are Easy as well, which I love. Um, but they literally released 20 movies between 86 and 89. Oh, 92, technically. Uh, some of the things they were making was then released by their other things. But yeah, Earth Girls Were Easy was their last film in 89. It was like Dracula's Window, um, Bill and Ted, and Earth Girls. But like, they didn't do much. So... It's really strange, but... I'm going to go on a quest now to buy the rights to the Transformers, the movie. <laughs> Let me... I'm sure we can yeah. figure it out, but uh, yeah. So it's... Uh, what would you say to somebody who's like, I've never seen it. I didn't really want to see the Bay okay. films. What would you say to, to make somebody want to come see this for in, the first time? In all time? honesty, it would 100% depend on their age. If they're below the age of 30, I would tell them not to even bother because somehow it just doesn't seem to translate. Um, and yeah. if, if they're, they're my age, then it would be, you know, how much of the TV show did you watch? Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, some, okay, cool. Let's go watch it. You know what I'm saying? Cause this is, this is, this yeah. is something you need to see, but I, I don't think you well, can, like you can't it's... make somebody go back to being six years old and have it be that impactful. Mm-hmm. It's just no way to do well, it. And also like if it's a friend of mine who's my age and their kids like transformers i wouldn't put no, their kid through this no i'd be like tell, i was like maybe let your kid watch this when they're yeah. a teenager but like don't i don't want anybody to have to live through watching optimus die i feel a certain way about it every yeah. single time i have yeah. to watch it happen so like no it uh i don't yeah it's i, I don't want anyone to have to live through yeah. that again <laughs> it's like they were like two or three sort of big iconic characters when you're that age and that mm-hmm. movie comes out and he was one of them. Mm-hmm. And then for him to die and him to die that quickly. Wait, what? No, this isn't working. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's the same as in, I referenced my Little Pony movie a lot. It was very pinnacle to me. Now like that, I didn't even realize it released in theaters. I got it as part of like yeah. a mail-in VHS thing, which apparently they didn't even do with this. I thought this would have been primed to be pardon the pun um prime to be like a mail-in for proof of purchases with 9.99 and get your very own vhs <laughs> yeah. copy of transformers well so something that affected this in home video that i'm re- i read they didn't release it on vhs until it went to the uk it only released originally on betamax and laserdisc then they did a second run vhs run of this after the UK release of I'm have to the film. I'm down a Betamax version of Transformers the movie now for no apparent reason. I about to say, I found a laser disc when I was in the UK probably six years ago of, and like wrapped in plastic in the plastic frame with that iconic poster. I think the last thing we have to talk about is that poster yeah, is the best. Genuinely, yeah. like it is seared into my yep. brain. Um, and so like between that and the soundtrack, like if nothing else, I would encourage anybody in our oh, yeah. age groups to watch it for the soundtrack so because it makes you, it makes me feel the same way that watching Top Gun does yes. with their soundtrack. Yes. Like it's, 
it gets you yeah. in your soul. It's hair metal. It's, it's so good. It's great. And even the film score, like the actual instrumental score, it's very synth, but it's great. Like, I think it is such a product of its time. And I think it represents media in the mid eighties mm -hmm. so well, um, that I really, I, I want people to remember this movie because I actually really, yes. really like it. Yes, it is. Like I said, it's the joke about the the top three is that it's 50 movies long. This one is mm -hmm. legit. If I had to file it down to three movies, this one would be in there. It's and it always will. So I think I found, I think I found an answer okay. for us. I think the Warner music group owns the rights to this okay. movie, which means because Rhino, Rhino bought it in 2000 and then it is then since they re-released it just before a company called Metrodome released the ultimate edition of this movie in 2007, the month before the Michael Bay. Okay. Oh, nope. I just, I keep re-answering my <laughs> questions. Uh, it's Shout Factory. Shout Factory owns this, which doesn't surprise me. Shout Factory has been buying up all of those okay. properties. Cause like they bought all of Power Rangers. They bought all of the Bandai Canon. They bought all the Shout Factory bought My Little Pony. They bought GI Joe. They bought Thundercats. They bought Rainbow Bright. Uh, um, Hallmark might still own Rainbow Bright, but Shout Factory has been buying all of these old properties and then releasing the whole series for like $30 oh, on DVD. Okay. They've been making accessible versions of, I think Shout Factory is the one that just re-released the Transformers series on DVD not too okay. long ago. Um, so as I ramble, I would say probably reach out to Shaft Factory, see if they'll sell it to you. Because <laughs> they did a 30th anniversary Blu-ray. It was the first time it came out on Blu-ray, was released in 2016 okay. uh, for the 30th anniversary. So, yeah. It's been sold a yeah, ton. It, it's, it it's sounds been... like it's passed hands a lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, Tim, thank you so much for coming on the show today. This has been brilliant. I'm so happy we had this discussion. <laughs> thank you for having me. I just, I'm glad people remember this as fondly oh, as I do. Absolutely. I'm so glad that this was the one that I got to come on for too. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't you tell the vagrants listening at home where they can find you across okay, the internet? Uh, I am at Remo Beware on Twitter. Um, another classic movie, Remo Williams and 80s wrestling icon Coco Beware. If you were to mash those two characters together, it would be me. So at Remo Beware on Twitter. Um, you can also find me, Minds at Yerk, um, at Minds at Yerk on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, and uh, make sure you pay attention to some other stuff I might have coming out here in the near future. Yeah. yeah. Now to sell minds at York just a little bit, it's the idea that you had yeah. never experienced no. anamorphs, and your friends Alex and Meg uh, had you experience it for the yeah. first time. And on that a was a whole deal. Like six-year-old me and Transformers, and there was a, a about an equal amount of emotion for forty-year-old me and anamorphs. There was a lot of stuff mm -hmm. that happens at the end of that series. I. I've been rereading them oh, because wild. of you guys. I've been like finding every used version of them that I could. Cause of course I gave them all to the library yeah. and goodwill about 15 years ago. I had every copy though. I was the kid that I ripped all of the animal pictures out yeah, and put them yeah. in a binder. Cause I'm <laughs> stupid. Um, so, but it has been a major yeah. trip revisiting the show with you all. And then I remember the humanomorphs oh. books at the scholastic book fair. 
Um, I never read them, but now I kind of want to, but I think I've enjoyed them way more just listening to you all tell me so, about them. Yeah. Actually, the next episode that we're going to record, uh, I don't know if you've listened up this far, but it's actually Humanomorphs number, or we're calling it People Morphs, sorry, People Morphs number seven. Um, and it's sort of my fanfic answer to the first six books that we've read. Yeah. Yes. So we're going to yes! re- record so that a little bit later love, on, and I can't I... wait to hear what everybody has to say about my version of the conclusion to that story. I love that. Well, and anytime anyone wants to read their fan fiction online, uh, no one knows this yet, but we're about to roll out with. Uh... Oh, well, no, it will have happened before this. Never mind, because we're I'm recording this before the next episode that's actually releasing. Um, we just released our first um readers theater of fanfic and because our the episode before this is twilight we just did a readers theater of uh twilight fan fiction that has not actually been recorded yet but it will be recorded at some point before this comes out so we're going to keep doing that and so one of the next ones is going to be fan fiction that i wrote living in new york city as a grown-ass <laughs> adult that is a digimon power rangers crossover that i am oh terrified for everyone to hear because i remember it fondly but i keep reading it and going bitch you so (laughs) stupid i hate you so much we were and so we'll continue to that because i just i think if everyone embraces it's like everybody's embraced their shitty weeb past now so like embrace your maybe not perfect fan fiction but i want to read it because i love everything everyone does and i love fan fiction so i I absolutely we were talking about that whether or not it would be fun to just release like a pdf or to do like an audio version but i i absolutely cannot wait to hear people you're going to have the actual writers read their own on this no, uh, no, I've gotten the writer's permission oh, you're gonna read it. through okay. fanfiction.net, but it's, yeah, it's, we're doing dramatic oh, readings. Like so it's, good. it's uh, like Meg, it's Meg and MJ, Frankie and, and me and oh, a bunch of other people from certain POV. And then as it goes on, I'm trying to get some of my actor friends to do it as well. Uh, so, cause I want to do a star Wars one coming up soon. That's all just like shitty AUs that I found on Tumblr that I'm obsessed so- with of star wars I, this is my just first so. ever attempt at writing any fanfic but now i want to write some so bad just so i can have it performed by someone listen listen let's chat i got some ideas so uh i'm not saying that i would love in-house writers oh, but let's get some in-house writers oh well tim thank you so much for being on the show today i can't wait to have oh, you on absolutely. again absolutely thanks for having me hey oh hey jeff What's going on, guys? Oh, you know, talking about Superman. Oh, cool. I could talk about Superman. I could talk some more about Superman. We know. I'll bet a few people would want to get in on this. I'm down. You know it. That sounds like fun. I'll do it. Cool. Let's do it. We can call the show Men of Steel. And you can find it at certainpov.com. Or wherever you get your podcasts. Yay. Thank you, as always, for joining us for another deep dive into the files of Saturday Morning Confidential. Don't forget to check out Tim and everyone over at the incredibly hilarious Minds at Yerk. If you have any nostalgia for Animorphs, uh, even if you don't remember it, check it out. It's it's a, it's a fucking laugh riot. Uh, thank you, as always, for checking us out. You can find us on social media at SMC Pod, just about everywhere. Follow that link tree. You can follow us on patreon for only two dollars a month to help us continue what we do now next month i hope you're ready for our first trivia showdown pod versus the world is going to be so much fun and there's going to be more information to follow 
Now join us next time as I take a deep dive into the sewers of New York City with Hans Martin Jr., the real movie critic, as we go into the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon. That's right, Calabunga, my dudes, get that pizza, because I hope you're ready for a good time. Now join us again next time for another deep dive into the files of Saturday Morning Confidential. CPOV. CertainPOV.com.